Well, good morning. As you've heard, my name is Evan Bechtold, and I'm here with my wife, Rachel, and our four children, Ian, who is eight, Riley, seven, Ella, three, and Rhea is still here with us as she has just turned two. And then along with our family, we also have my in-laws are visiting, Chuck and Brenda. They are here coming for a couple weeks, and we're glad to have them as well coming to Brannockstown with us. So for where are we living today? We actually live up in the town of Virginia in County Cavan. I always have to make sure you understand it's County Cavan because of my accent. You can see that I'm from the United States, so not Virginia, the state in the U.S., but Virginia, the town that's in County Cavan. And many people ask, well, how did you end up in Virginia? Well, the simplest way to say is we are where God has placed us. You see, in, in 2018, Rachel and I really felt God calling us into the mission field and looking into where could God place us to help share the gospel and help plant churches. So we became part of an organization in the U.S. that is ABWE, which is Association of Baptists for World Evangelism, who's actually partnered with Baptist Missions, which I'm assuming you've heard of Baptist Missions, correct? Yes. So we did a survey trip in 2018. We came over to Ireland to see where God may have us go. We visited a place up in Bundorn, Matt and Jules Tuttleby, you may know of. We actually then went into a town, Jamestown Baptist Church. Then we went down to Kinsale and visited a church there with Craig Maiden and went also to Passage West. When we were down there in Kinsale, we we're like, yes, I think we should come over here. This is beautiful. Well, we looked to apply for our visa, but visa requirements have been changed in the last probably five, ten years. And in order to get here, it's a lot more difficult than what many of the missionaries coming over this way thought of. We actually had to have a church sponsor. And because of those new church plants weren't having all the requirements, we needed to find a church sponsor that would bring us on. And we ended up at Cavan Baptist Church. So Cavan Baptist Church recently planted a church in Belturbet. Uh, many of you might know of Joel and Katia. Um, they are left Cavan Baptist, planted the church through Baptist Missions. And when we heard about that, they said, you know what, we could use someone to come in and kind of fill the role that Joel Marcus did. God placed us there. That's the simplest way to put it. And when we were placed there, it was during COVID. We moved here in 2020, December, that had a two-week window of requirements of restrictions. We moved over, and we ended up finding a lodge, a log cabin in the town of Virginia where we could do our two-week quarantine. Now, Virginia is about 20 minutes from Cavan. Well, we stayed there for two weeks, and then that two weeks turned out to be 18 months, and that is where we have settled well. The town of Virginia is great. The school that our children go to is in Kill and Care. They love saying the name, Kill and Care, and... Uh, they're part of the GAA, um, really feel like home. But the thing that's interesting is how well we've settled in that area in just a little over a year and a half. You can still tell that I'm not from here. My accent doesn't quite show that. 
And what's interesting, not just my accent as far as being from here, just the other day when we were eating at a restaurant, I was talking with my in-laws and we noticed that many people here in Ireland have a left-handed with the fork and a right hand with the knife and you use both hands. We don't necessarily use both hands with both, we usually just use the fork and we could tell the people were looking at us knowing they're not from here. Just by our actions you can see that we're not from here. Well, as I mentioned this, you can see that we're foreigners. And I want to remind us all that if you are a Christian, you as well should be seen as a foreigner here on this earth. And with this in mind, we're going to open our Bibles up to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to just look at two verses. This is going to be verses 11 and 12. As we go through this, the main focal point on this sermon is going to be to ask yourself, how are you living your life? Let me pray before I read. Dear Lord, we just thank you um, for being able to gather together. Lord, here in a building, but we know that the, the building is not the church, it's the church body, and we thank you that. And thank you for the, the words that you have given us that we can read and understand to help us to gain our understanding of your word, Lord. And I pray as we read these words, Lord, pray that the words that I say will come out clear. In your name, amen. So uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So in this very verse that we read, we've seen there foreigners and exiles. And if you may be familiar with the book of 1 Peter, if you actually look back in 1 Peter, the first verse, the letter that was written to Christians that were in five different provinces of what would be known as today modern-day Turkey. And he's writing there, you see in that first verse, it says, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout which would be current-day Roman Empire. Now it says foreigners, or some versions may say strangers or aliens. And here in chapter 2, again, he brings that up, foreigners, aliens, strangers. Well, during this time, there was a lot of persecution that was going on for these Christians. And you see, Peter wants to remember that once you become a Christian... And we have been called by God and chosen by him to follow him. We need to realize that our homeland is in heaven. And because of that, we become citizens in heaven. And this is notified in, as Paul is actually writing in Philippians 3.20. Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. You see, Paul was a Roman citizen. And his Roman citizen was important to him. But he said, it's not as important as our citizenship is in heaven. So no matter where we live on this earth as Christians, we should realize this, that we are strangers here. We are aliens, foreigners to where we live. And one of the most important things for us to know about the recipients of this letter is the suffering that they were going through. And Peter is writing them, preparing them to understand that this suffering will continue See, in this early church, 
there was some sanctioning going on under the government under Nero. Have most of you heard of Nero? See, in 64 AD, there was a great fire and it ravaged Rome. Okay? Nero took the opportunity, provided this destruction. He went ahead and rebuilt this city and he wanted it in a Greek style. Okay? People began to, to think that Nero actually caused this fire and he blamed Christians for putting it on. So according to a historian I read, Nero blamed the Christians for this fire in an effort to divert the attention onto them. Nero was quite insane, and it's reported that he tortured Christians, and he did it for enjoyment. Listen to one historian I found said, besides being put to death, the Christians were made to serve as objects of amusement. They were clad in the hides of beasts and torn to death by dogs. Some were crucified. Others were set on fire to serve to illuminate the night when the daylight failed. Think of the persecution that was going on. This is the people that Peter is writing this letter to, people that were going through this suffering. Christians were being severely persecuted, fed to lions, beheaded, crucified, burned. So Christians had to go underground, leave their homes and jobs. Christians were scattered throughout the land. They did not fit comfortably in this dark world. They were strangers of this world. So one of the most severe problems that maybe a church faces today is that we do not seem to be strangers sometimes. Ask yourself today, if the government here in Ireland was gathering all the people that were believers in Christ to be crucified, to be killed, would yourself be picked out as one of them? Do people see Christ in you, in the life that you live? Do people hear you talking about your faith in Jesus Christ? You see, just as much as my accent or maybe our eating habits point out that I'm not truly an Irish citizen, our actions as Christians should point out that we're not of this world. We're of heaven. And this should be because we should be joy-filled, not things of this world, but of the Holy Spirit inside of us. But as we live this life here on this earth, how often do we try to fit in with the worldly things rather than the godly things? So I'll ask again, do you feel like a stranger here? Well, as for a Christian, we are to feel that way. Our worldly view is completely different than most people that we're surrounded by in our communities that we live. So as we look back at these verses in 11 and 12, I'll go ahead and ask the question again. How are you living your life? Notice again, it says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Well, one thing that we do not have many of back in the U.S. are roundabouts. Are you guys familiar with roundabouts here in this small town? Yes. Well, I never thought they were the best. I'll be honest. You know, I always thought, why don't you just have an intersection? However, my view of this completely changed because in Cavantown, there's actually an intersection 
where if you actually get to it between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock, you have to wait from 15 to 20 minutes to get to the actual intersection to make your turn. And I always ask, why don't you have a roundabout there? I never thought I would say that. So in order for me to not go there during that time of the day, I actually, from the church, turn the other direction and go the long way around just to miss the intersection. Well, the first thing that Peter warns his readers about is the dangers of living in a foreign land is not something external, but is something inside of us. It's internal. And he says, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. And Peter is writing to Christians and seems to remind them that even though they may follow Jesus, this doesn't mean that Satan will not stop from trying to tempt them into doing evil things. And this starts by trying to tempt us by luring us, luring our minds and our thoughts, and make us think we need certain things of this world that are temporary. So one way to abstain from these desires, turn the other way. Just like I said, I have to turn the other way from the intersection because of the delay. That should be the same way in our mind. When we are tempted, we should turn the other way. And this will help us keep a clear conscience. Peter urges his writers not to open the door and invite the sinful warfare to begin in our minds. Instead, he tells them to abstain from sinful desires, thus keeping their mind free of unnecessary battles. You must realize that we are in war. And as this verse states, sin wages war against your soul. So you must wage war against it. And the best way to keep this clear conscience is to be in control of what your mind is thinking on. When you find your time to actually stop and think, what are the things that you first think about? Are they pointless things of this world? Or are they godly things? And also we need to realize what our mind focuses on. Keep your mind focused on him. Someone once said, an idle mind is the devil's playground. An idle mind is an undisciplined mind, a wandering mind. So as Christians, we need to be disciplined in every aspect of our life. It's not enough just to control our actions. The real battle is in our mind. For it is the thought of our mind that controls our actions. We have in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You see, we need to take our thoughts captive and replace them with the word of God. We need to condition our minds to respond in a godly way. And along with that, we need to flee. You see, if temptation comes, run the other way. Don't flirt with temptation. Keep a clear conscience before God and man, and if we have a clear conscience, it'll be seen in us. And this is what we'll be seeing in the next verse. It says, live such goodly lives 
among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Now many of us know a kid's song that we teach that this little light of mine, what are we to do with it? Let it shine. See, we are called to be a light for Christ in front of the people around us, in your communities, where you work. The believers of Peter's day were in a very small microscope. People were looking at their lives. And Christianity was a new thing. Jews were openly hostile to the faith. Romans and Greeks were skeptical of these Christians. They were treating them. The people around the world were studying their lives, looking for anything negative that they could accuse them about. Then wild stories started kind of going around rumors about these Christians. Many Romans believed that Christianity was an immoral cult and that Christians were participating in incest and they were cannibals eating human flesh. That is what one commentary put of what Christians were viewed at during this time. Why would people think such crazy things? Well, first, believers, they would meet regularly, which would be basically a combo between taking the Lord's Supper and prayer service. But because of the persecution during this time, they were in a very underground, hidden place. And rumors were being spread that these immoral people were meeting together on a love feast. Believers were calling each other brother and sister. And then they'd introduce the holy kiss. People started spreading rumors saying that they were incestuous. How could they be doing such things like that? And then rumors started spreading that the believers drank the blood of Christ and they ate his body. Rumors spread quickly about Christians during this time. These terrible things were being said about Christ followers. So Peter tells them in verse 12, because of all these rumors and what people are saying about you, Live such good lives among them that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. You see, we are to shine, to live good lives. So, well, as a stranger in this land, everywhere you go, we're still under scrutiny here. Some people are watching you with curiosity. They may have heard that you go to church on Sunday to worship the Lord, but they keep an eye on you, don't they? Now others may be watching you just to find a certain sin. Oh, you say you're a Christian, but you still do wrong things. But what will they say about you? Are you doing things that they want something that they don't have? How many times do you hear, if that is what a Christian life is like, that is what I want or have you ever heard someone say, if that's what a Christian's like, I don't want anything to do with that. Will they look at your life and see Christ? That's the question. Will they see your joy and love and kindness and your servanthood and say, you know that person who says he's a Christian or she says she's a Christian? I want what they have. They're so considerate of others. They're so different than what most people are like. They're so kind. They're so generous. They're always willing to help. Do people say that about you? Now, one thing I'll, I'll never forget, 
up in, in Cabin, we actually had a men's camp out. Now this camp out was out in the country of uh, one of the members, Erskine Deering, and he lives just pretty close to a, a chicken poultry farm. Now it's a barbecue. We went ahead and grilled uh, chicken, we grilled pork chops, lamb chops, we had some steak, we did burgers, and it was good stuff. Now at the camp out, we also had a devotion time and we sang songs and, and it was a lot of fun. And, and if you think back, I asked some of the guys, what's the one thing that you remember? And it's not the songs we sang, it's not the verses I spoke of, it's not the games we played, it's the flies that came to join us. We took all the barbecued food and we put it in the kitchen of his house. Window was left open and the door open. Flies smelled the food and they came in. I tell you, there were probably thousands of flies in his house. And I felt so bad. Now that's the thing. What brought the flies was probably the smell. They were attracted by what we were cooking. The flies came. Well, in the same way, as a Christian, our life should be attractive. It should not be repellent. You know, we should attract others to have what they do not have. As a Christian, as a foreigner here in this land, we're being watched. So will your behavior draw people to Christ? Or does it seem as if you're actually a repellent thinking, I don't want what they have? Well, as a Christian and as a follower of Jesus, we are to live and act like Christ. Peter knows his readers of this letter are suffering, so he reminds them the example of Christ. You see, Jesus lived a life to show us how to live. He was persecuted for doing what was right, though no fault of his own. We know the story. He was beaten. He was scourged. He was whipped. He was spit upon. He was mocked. He was... He was cursed and he was nailed to a cross to die the most agonizing death. But he did it with no evil in return. He uttered no threat. Instead, he entrusted himself to the Father. On the evening before these things happened, Jesus said, Not my will, but thine be done. You see, that is our example. Not my will, but yours be done. Now, a little farther in this letter of 1 Peter, in chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, it says, He himself bore our sin in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Now, verse 25 there tells that at one time, all of us were straying like sheep. Each of us going our own way. Now, how much more I, I understand the sheep led astray as now I live here in Ireland. We don't have as many sheep back in the state of Illinois. You see, just a couple of days ago, I saw one sheep that was out of the pen while I was driving down the road. And when I got closer, it was trying to get back over the hedge to get back into the pen but it couldn't find a way in. So I just think about when the sheep got out of the pen, do you think that it first felt that it was free? I'm out of this! Well, just as the verse says, we too are like sheep going astray. 
We were on our own authority. We did what we wanted to do and when we wanted it in the way we felt like we were free. However, the freedom does not lead to happiness. That freedom does not lead to security. And it is not a blessing. A sheep wandering around by itself is in serious danger. He cannot protect himself. What will happen to a sheep who goes astray? Well, for a short while it will think it's okay, but sooner or later that sheep will face some huge problem. And without a shepherd there, it will eventually die. You see, and it will be lost. And, and there are many people like these sheep wandering in the world today. Lost. Lonely. Aimless. They feel like they have no purpose. No calling. They feel like they have no joy. And if you're still searching, realize how a loving shepherd is here who cares for you. Jesus Christ loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his own life for you. And that's the best kind of shepherd there is. A shepherd who is willing to die for the sheep. Back in verse 24, by his wounds you are healed. And this healing is not a physical healing, but it is a spiritual healing. This healing that will grant us eternal life. And how can you get this healing? There is one condition. Verse 25 says, Return to the shepherd, the overseer or guardian of your soul. And what does that mean? It means submit your life to Christ. Accept his authority. Repent of your sin and, and follow after him. And if you do, he will protect and guard your souls. See, Jesus Christ was the ultimate substitute. He suffered for the guilty. He did not return evil for evil. He responded good for evil. And he calls us to do the same thing. And he says, not our will, but yours be done. As we become follower of his, we know that we become citizens in heaven, which is our true home. So I'll ask again, how are you living your life? What do you keep your mind focused upon? Well, as I think back on, on Rachel and I, as we were in the process of moving to Ireland, we were wondering, where are we going to be moving to? Where would we eventually call our home? Would it be in Kinsale? Would it be up in Bundoran? Would it be in Caventown? Would it be in Virginia? Well, where he has placed us, we are so thankful for. We enjoy Virginia. We love Cabin Baptist Church. We really feel like we have family there. However, I am more thankful knowing that this is not our permanent place. This life on earth is temporary. And how much more thankful we are to know that those who follow and turn to Christ, their home is in heaven. And that's where we can be a citizen. Amen. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you on this day. Lord, we thank you again for the words written. Lord, we, we thank you for helping us understand, Lord, during this time, the persecution that was going on. We're thankful, though, we don't have the same persecution here today. Lord, but we do pray that you give us the strength and understanding of how we are to go into this world and be a light for you. Lord, I pray that those that might not know you, let, Lord, I pray that the words that were said today and these 
verses that we're given maybe encourage them to know that we do have a true shepherd here that is to help the sheep that are lost. Lord, again, we give you thanks for this day. In your name, amen. So we're going to sing now a song that kind of gives us the assurance that we have. And it's the assurance of our hope that we have in the life after that we live here. And it's our living hope.